Okay, I think we're up. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Miskatonic Alumni Association. I'm one of your hosts, Bill. And I'm Terence. It's uh, good that we've finally got together for our very first video. Very first video. Uh, everything is held together with duct tape and staples right now. So uh, this isn't exactly how we wanted to do our first video, is it, Terence? Well, um, I don't think you can see our studio space isn't exactly very conducive to high production values, but we're making the best of what we have. Yeah, with the recent uh, horrible pandemic that's sweeping uh, through basically every single corner of the globe here, uh, not even going to mention what's happening where, where I'm living, as that's inexplicable, but... Yeah, uh, Terrence, you're trapped far from home. Uh, all of our other companions are sort of scattered to the four corners. And uh, we are not doing what we were intending to do. Yeah, exactly. But uh, I suppose, like they say, you've got to make the best of a bad situation. So what, be what better way to uh, while away the time during this viral outbreak than discussing Lovecraft stories, right? Yeah, I mean, I can't think of a better thing to do with our time. I mean, reading is important. Uh, it's always good to be literate and promote uh, good creative stories. And since a lot of people are being stuck in their homes uh, mm. and not allowed to go out for good reason, uh, I think a lot of people are going to start dabbling into things that they haven't tried before they had on the back burner until now and just didn't have time for but things like reading books playing games uh, getting into mm. new hobbies and new authors and uh, everything that wouldn't come up in your daily life is now finally uh, pushed to the front burner just to keep you from going mad from boredom yeah very your house. I, I mean like for me one of the the main points of like why is Lovecraft good to read at this time is not just the story content, but the fact that like uh, a lot of his work is in the public domain. So even if you, you can't get to a library or bookstore or whatever, you're still able to just go online and get a good collection of his works out for free and pretty easily. Yeah, you can find, uh, I believe I got one of his complete collections on my Kindle for free. Uh, if mm. not for free, I think one US dollar. And there's even many websites around the internet that print and host the work there. If you don't mind reading it on the web page, you can instantly have access to all of his work as well as YouTube, right? Mm, yeah, I mean, um, both of us have grabbed uh, bundles of like Horror Babbles audiobooks, um, which are phenomenally Those good. Are really good, by the way, yeah. Yeah, and that works very well if like you're somebody who prefers to. How can I get it? How can I say it? A, a more auditory input than just like having to read through large tomes of works as uh, some of these books can be. But um, yeah, yeah, there's many ways to get your hands on it. So if you're stuck inside and if you have nothing to do and you just want to take your mind off of the troubles going on in the world, ah, uh, yeah, I, I don't think. There's a uh, better author to jump into than H.P. Lovecraft if you are interested in the horror and supernatural and weird stories. And 
chances mm -hmm. are if you found this video, you are. So, I mean, yeah, we highly recommend it. And that's why we have this channel right now. Yeah, and I mean, I suppose that's why in this video we're going to be looking at the stories we personally recommend for newcomers, right? Yeah, uh, I know a lot of people on sites like Reddit and even the different Lovecraft Facebook groups. Uh, a lot of people, when they first join up, one of the most common questions asked is, where should I start? Because there's mm. just so many. I mean, Lovecraft was a very prolific writer. Yeah, I think sometimes uh, somebody who's new to sort of Lovecraft's works can get it very hung up on like, oh, there's the Cthulhu mythos, the dream cycle, and they might think they have they have to approach it in this specific order. Whereas for me personally, I, I feel like it's almost more, um, or it's better for somebody who's new to it to come via an approachable story because not every single Lovecraft story is very easy to just pick up and read. Some of them you've really got to dedicate some of um, your busy brain space to actually understanding or working your way through because they were obviously written, you know, ages ago. So sometimes it you can almost need a, a palate cleanser before starting one of these books in order to be able to appreciate it more. So um yeah that i i feel like a video like this where we can discuss these stories and why we personally recommend it could be a good starting off points for somebody who's looking to start reading yeah and i i think you make a good point not only was it written a hundred years ago or more depending on the stories or nearly a hundred years ago uh lovecraft even for his time he had a very out of date archaic way of expressing himself that likely confused as many readers back then as it does now. Um, that's not saying it's hard to read. Um, you, as you mentioned, some of them are a little overly wordy with these unusual vocabularies. But I, I think that there's enough, I would say, strange words, enough uncommon words that you might think when you first encounter it that this might not be for you. I mean, it's not as bad as reading like Chaucer or Shakespeare, but it's it's going to be, uh, yeah, you're going to come across a few rather quickly, but it's not all like that. It's just he has a very large vocabulary and not necessarily a very modern vocabulary even for his time and i think that adds a little bit to the charm of his stories and that's something that i like when i read it that you see these strange words that stand out and it starts to feel like this is a lovecraft story because only he would speak in such terms yeah i think very much the his use of um adjectives uh Many of which, like, I mean, even as native speakers, we look at him and we go like, oh, man, what, what is he actually saying here? Um, it, it's very much part of, like, what makes a Lovecraft story a Lovecraft story. Um, it doesn't necessarily detract from the story. It's just, like, something somebody's got to be aware of when they get in there. That That's particularly why the stories I chose are hopefully stories I found to be easy ones to use first approaching like his work so like once you read these you can get a sort of taste of 
how a Lovecraft story is structured and flows and what makes a Lovecraft story a Lovecraft story before like hopefully moving on to um, some of these other works that are maybe not as well known or uh, are maybe more difficult to read but are just as good, if not better, than some of the stories I might actually recommend today. Yeah, and I think I, I took a similar approach. Uh, some of these, uh, some of the ones on my list, I, I mean, I'm only giving three. I think we're both giving three. Uh, the, the ones on my list, they might not be the ones I would recommend uh, all the time to people who are already familiar with Lovecraft. They might not be the ones that jump out at me like, oh, did you read this one? Yeah. But I think for a new a new reader uh, coming into this very large library of works, uh, I think the three I picked, it's a good variety of the types mm -hmm. of horror that he writes about while, again, not covering everything because it's so expansive. Yeah. Um, well, shall we get into it then? Yeah. Um... I think maybe I'll, I'll jump us off. Uh, seeing the first story I'm going for is probably the most quintessential or iconic um, one. So the first one I've gone for is obviously The Call of Cthulhu. Um, and The Call of Cthulhu, I suppose, is a story that anyone would have heard of in some shape or form, simply because Cthulhu as a character is pretty much Lovecraft and Cthulhu are almost like the same thing for many people uh, because Cthulhu permeates popular culture these days in so many ways, like, you know, TV shows could reference it, video games, books. And I feel like Call of Cthulhu, come from a story point of view, is very well structured for me. I like that it's... Um, it's got a really good flow to it. For me... Probably when I first started reading Lovecraft, that's the thing I struggled with the most, is being able to start a story and have a good flow to it. I know that's like a very iffy term, saying flow, but it, it makes it easier to read for me rather than having to put the book down every few pages and try and remember, what is it I just read? Like, I couldn't remember like three sentences ago. But... um the plot in Call of Cthulhu is really well structured for me. It's got like a bit of the mythos in, um, it obviously introduces or uh, mentions like his main character quotation marks, but it makes that book for me like a really good way to first get in there. Something that you're vaguely familiar with already. So it's not going to be too, um, too crazy to get into. And it's hopefully a nice little taster of what can come with other stories then. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think Call of Cthulhu, it's, as you say, it's pretty much synonymous with Lovecraft. Mm -hmm. People hear Call of Cthulhu, they think Lovecraft. People hear Lovecraft, they think Call of Cthulhu. And, I mean, with the recent video game, with the role-playing games, uh, yeah. it's, just, it's just everywhere. Uh, and, uh, like you said, the, the structure of the story is good, and it's really... Uh, it, it's almost cliche that this is where you should start when you're reading Lovecraft, but it's so easy because it's in, I forget, like four or five parts, and they are almost all self-contained, pretty much. They're telling one aspect of the story right after the other. It's very clear, it's very to the point, and it progresses more and more until you get to the truth of the story. 
So I, I really like how it's structured, yeah. Like, I mean, the, the, the irony here as well is that, like, for Lovecraft himself, he thought the story story was pretty average, actually. So he wasn't actually a big fan of this, but it seemed like a lot of writers at the time, I mean, even writers today still see this as, like, one of his better stories. Um, at the same point, like, another reason I went for it was simply because a lot of my first exposure to Lovecraft came via this as well, um, whether it's through the RPG game, like you mentioned, or one of the video game adaptations, like, usually this is the first way I think, not just myself, but most people would come. So I think it's a good way to sort of just dig a tiny bit deeper. But yeah, I think that's probably why I went for it as my number one. Yeah, and it's not too long, too. It, it's a great way to jump in. Good choice for number one, Terrence. I like it. Okay, I'm trying to get the images of the stories on the screen, too. So so at least it has some some um, context while we're talking here. So apologies if I screw up the images from time to time. Uh, shall I move on to, to my, my number one? Yeah, yeah. Ready for that? Okay. Uh, my number one is going to be uh, The Color Out of Space, um, mm. which I I chose it as my number one um, for two reasons. Uh, mm. First, uh, my, my favorite Lovecraft story changes probably on the monthly basis that as I read through again and again all the different uh, tales of his in the different books, I usually find something new that I missed mm. one read through or maybe just I'm in a different mood one day and finally I read it and suddenly it grabs me and right now the color out of space uh, for the past few months has been my number one story that I think too um, when I think about Lovecraft and the second reason is on the very recent Nicolas Cage film the color out of space which um, was just released uh, simultaneously in theaters in a limited release, as well as Blu-ray and digital streaming just about mm -hmm. a month ago, less than a month ago. So I think, um, well, for those two reasons, the title is probably going to be familiar with many people and maybe even people who um, are now searching for this question, what story should I read, already mm -hmm. have this in mind thanks to hearing about the movie. Uh, and secondly, if you haven't seen the movie yet uh, and you do read the story, I think that movie, uh, while it does have mixed reviews, really is one of the stronger adaptations of Lovecraft's work into film. And uh, we're not going to talk about movies and films in this video here. We're just giving recommendations. Um, we're planning on talking about films and various other media on a different video down the road. But uh, I'm just saying that now that you have both this very new telling of it, a modern adaptation of it to go to or to come from, uh, makes mm -hmm. this one of the one of the easiest books to get into. Uh, the the thing about that I love about this story, the thing about the story and about many of Lovecraft's stories that I really love is the majority of them are told. It's not like you're reading the story happening. They're told secondhand 
or third-hand tale from somebody else. Even in Call of Cthulhu, you get this. You don't see a lot of the action happening. You hear the action being related months, years down the road from someone's memory of what happened. And I think Color Out of Space is one of the most powerful uses of this uh, because it's a very tragic story. It's a very sad story, but it's also a deeply personal story. And it has all the hallmarks of Lovecraft's own brand of cosmic horror and weird tales. And again, I, I like you, Terrence, I don't want to go into mm. plot. I don't want to spoil anything. I don't even want to really give a summary of it. But mm. I think compared to a lot of his stories uh, and even coming straight from Call of Cthulhu, this is a very small scale story that's happening in one fixed location to one very, very small particular group of people. And you are just hearing the fallout of what happened from this incident. And it's just really, it, it raises the hair on my arms thinking about it. like, if this was true, did, could something like this really happen? Um, what really happened? And I, I think it, it affects you because it's on a smaller scale and a more personal level than many of his other stories. And it's, I don't know if it's the right thing to say, but it might be one of the more disastrous and tragic depictions of people caught up in this mythos that Lovecraft has created. So that's yeah. why I recommend it. I, I think like probably the, the point like I can appreciate the most is um, where you say it happens on a smaller scale uh, because sometimes I find those stories more approachable for myself, uh, which actually leads into my story. I'll be mentioning Nana as well as my number two. Um, usually stories on this more personal level, especially like Cut Out of Space, I think, are like really easy ones to be able to digest and read through and sort of get some connection to whether it's an emotional or intellectual one to appreciate. And I think like, especially now that cut out of space has got a movie adaptation, it can be quite useful for somebody who's um, coming from the movie and to get the semblance of the imagery behind a lot of the story to come to the book then, and then use that as a jumping off point to uh, carry on reading. Yeah, but I can definitely appreciate that as a choice. Yeah, and again, I don't want to get into the movie at all because we're going to talk about movies and other visual adaptations of Lovecraft later. So you'll notice when you watch any movie or any adaptation of Lovecraft, there's going to be a very clear disconnect from what you read in the books too, simply because uh, that's just how... Lovecraft fiction is. It's not something that's easily depicted on screen. So you have to be forgiving what you see on screen compared to what you'll find in the book. Yeah, because I think um, it very, very much like a lot of his work is based on the sort of imagination and imagery, which depending on, let's say, the director of a movie or something could be down to their sort of personal reading of it as well. So what you might sort of imagine as one of these uh, giant elder gods or creatures or whatever could actually be very different from what you might see in a movie. Um, 
which is why I suppose always uh, it, it's nice to come from the books to see a movie. But I think if you're a newcomer, usually, especially with Color Out of Space, if you've been fortunate enough to catch that when it was out in theaters or if you're grabbing it wherever, like then at least you've got that as a base to work from, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. They do, in at least in this case, they work hand in hand together. Okay, well, that's good. Well, I mean, like I was saying then, um, it actually plays in my second pick, which was um, the Dunwich Horror. Um, and that's a story that I actually really only read for the first time and appreciated like a, a couple of years back. Uh, it was in like some small collection I'd picked up, uh, a little cheap paperback. And I read that one. And as soon as I finished it, I wanted to read it again. Mm. Uh, the, when you mention about it being on a small scale, like Dunwich Horror is, how can I say, a very personal story. Mm-hmm. Not for myself, but I mean in terms of, in terms of its plot, dealing with this... Um, this family stuff. Like once again, I'm not going to give a summary or anything. I feel like trying to summarize a Lovecraft story is difficult in two aspects: trying to comprehend what you're reading, plus uh, you don't want to spoil it for anyone as well with twists and plot. But um, Dunwich Horror for me was a story that the ending, especially, and the build up to that ending, is really well done. I mean, once you reach that a certain point in the story and it just clicks like that and you can see how it's been building up and you want to reread it again, yeah. which I think is the mark of any good story. Um, yeah. And so very much for me, like Dunwich Horror is like my perfect love cross story. Like this and the next one I'm going to choose are probably my top two stories I've actually read of Lovecraft. Um, it's always liable to change because I'm like that. I might change uh, my taste later on. But currently, like, Dunwich Horror is, like, one of the stories I really, really, really highly recommend to anybody who wants to get an idea of what makes Lovecraft so great to read. Mm. Um, And the fact is it's, it's not too crazy in some of the, the background mythos as such compared to some other stories but it is still crazy yeah if i can put it like that way i Um, I think it's a subdued sort of crazy where it's (laughs) not it's not over the top it's not in your face but it's there that supernatural horror is there Mm -hmm. like i think probably the thing that i I appreciate most about it is there's this sort of bubbling sense of dread or something's something's wrong you all, all throughout the story you're seeing stuff that's off or stuff that shouldn't be there or um something like that and that keeps boarding on through the story until like i said it clicks into place and then you can sort of see oh that's what it was and that that's for me that for me makes it like really fantastic and it's something i appreciate not just in this story but in most of his works actually yeah i said before with um getting the hair standing up on my arms doing that i think the ending of dunwich horror is a great example of that like like you Mm -hmm. mentioned when once you realize what it all meant and it clicks at the end in that moment when they reveal basically 
the whole idea behind it it all that's when the chills come across and like oh oh oh, oh, oh that's that's not what i was expecting but yeah i see mm-hmm. where that was coming from now yeah mm-hmm. really, yeah so really quality stuff there that, that's very much the reason i went for it then so uh Bo, yourself what was your number two then my number two, which I believe I flashed on the screen the moment uh, too early, anyhow, uh, so uh, keen-eyed viewers already knew it was coming up. Uh, my number two, this is the one I mentioned before. This is probably not a story I would hype otherwise. I like mm-hmm. the story, but uh, it's not one. It's not in my top three, definitely, for my own self. Maybe not even in my top five even though I like it, but it's Dreams in the Witch House. Okay. Now, again, coming from Color Out of Space, where that is, I think, more of a cosmic horror story there. It is that whole, there is this universe outside there that is unforgiving, uncaring, and humanity stands no chance against it. Our only recourse is to hope we are never noticed by what exists out there and Mm. it's on the personal level this is even on a more personal level a smaller scale where it's basically just one character the dreams this one character is facing and of course uh his friend also who is in the story hearing about this so i mean you're this is about as personal a level as it can get but where it differs is, I think instead of being more on the cosmic aspect of horror, this story is just straight up horror, mm-hmm. where it still fits perfectly into the mythos, the Cthulhu mythos that he has with the just the unknown and the supernatural and just the way the world isn't what we think it is, but it's all focused on one poor individual and the things that this man experiences and he sees and the reaction to him and what's happening in the world around him at the same time is heartbreaking and just terrifying and the more you read about what he's experiencing it it's haunting i Mm. think it is the best word and I mean, I think we've all in our life, maybe, especially those of us who are interested in weird fiction, we've all kind of daydreamed or fantasized or wondered about about things that there's secret knowledge out there in the world. There, There's things that maybe if we just understood this, we would understand the universe a bit better. But this story basically shows that understanding that stuff is maybe not the best thing that could happen to humanity because one keen mind might pick up on something and notice something and it unlocks a door but it might not be the door you would ever want to unlock and once it's open uh, it can't be shut and I, I, I think that's why I think for a new reader who maybe likes horror but maybe doesn't really know much about cosmic horror i think it's an easy way to jump into because it's just scary well i i think um 
that's the beauty of Lovecraft's works, right? Like, um, where you're constantly thinking, and the characters themselves, like, oh, if I could just understand this, like, my mind will be open to this whole giant cosmic knowledge in a way. Um, and the other thing is, like, even for me, uh, like, that's the story. I haven't actually read that often. Um, so a lot of times, like, because he's got such a huge body of work, it's really nice to not just stick to the same stuff. Like, it, that's the story that after this video, I'm probably going to pick up one of my uh, collections and read through, actually. But I think, I think like, yeah, like, like you said, like, these sort of plots where the characters themselves, like, you're almost going on the same journey as they are, right? Like, you're also trying to say, like, oh, man, I just know there's something, yeah, I just want need to understand this how 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 and then it goes yeah. so i mean at the same point as well like not i think like when you mentioned the story is just really scary like i i feel like a lot of a lot of these other stories aren't necessarily scary as in uh coming from if you somebody who's read like a lot of horror writers mm -hmm. where it could be focused on uh the violence or gore or um just playing horror aspects like I feel like that's not Lovecraft. It's something Lovecraft does at all. Um, he does he does it on occasion, yeah. But I I just feel like uh, Lovecraft's a whole different type of horror to himself. Definitely, he is a genre. Yeah. So I mean, I can really appreciate that. So that that's that for me is a really good pick then. Yeah. Why don't you uh, tell us what your number three is then? Um, okay, my number three is uh, The Whisperer in Darkness. Um, Interesting choice. This is, that is one that I feel is very... Like, usually when I come at, I look at stories, I'm looking at them from more of a structure point of view. Um, so what I like about this, it's... I've, I, I don't know how I would say it, but it's, it's very self-contained in that... It takes part in several place, sorry, in several locations. But mm. the thing is, is there's one central farm yeah. where everything takes place. Really, everything important as such, and the way it's structured with the main character. Like, I think what I like in this one is the way that you're going on this journey with him as well, and you're you're experiencing the story with him as he's experiencing it. Because some, I know some Lovecraft stories usually will be a sort of uh, retelling or recounting the story from like, oh, this happened to me several months back or whatever the case is. You, and those ones are really good, but sometimes they can be a bit of an information dump. Mm. Um, and I found this one is nice as in it, it sort of marries together these two things of this like um, main character, or this uh, protagonist, like talking about, what he's experiencing but at the same point like the actual plot is you're getting to also experience it rather than just to hear it told by him um and i think like again similar to the Danwich horror for me like the ending of the story is one that leaves uh leaves you wanting more it's like as soon as that story ends and you sort of see this last image in your head it just makes you want to dig into the story again or to move on to something similar which i think 
for me, my number two and three, that's particularly why I'm choosing them because I want these to be sort of like t little tasters, little appetizers that are going to get you ready to dig into the more meaty stories later on. Yeah. Yeah, that that definitely makes sense. I mean, like I say, I was surprised that you picked this as one of your top three. Not that it's a bad story at all. I mean, it's really, really clever. But it's just, I think it's a good reason that instead of jumping into the meaty ones, uh, you get these samples showing just how powerful these stories can be. And this is a really good one that there's a lot of simple elements strung together so well and like you say it's not a retelling it's not when there's information dumps you're more or less seeing it happen as it's happening and that's one of i think the stronger elements of whisper and darkness yeah for sure so hopefully um like i said this it, it could lead to people becoming bigger fans simply through their first exposure being this but um yeah uh, as for your third story ball what did you go for well, I went meaty. You stayed away from meaty. I went meaty for my final one, uh, simply because uh, I, I just thought it had to be said at the Mountains of Madness. I mean, it's typically consistently ranked as maybe the best Lovecraft story. Uh, I mean, right up there with Call of Cthulhu. Call of Cthulhu is probably the most well-known, but I think at the Mountains of Madness is... Lovecraft at his most Lovecraftiest. Mm. I, I think it has all of the elements that define his style. And it's so much more polished than you get in a lot of his stories. And again, he's written so much. So you're going to have good stories. You're going to have so-so stories. You're going to have some sloppy early stories. But I think At the Mountains of Madness really demonstrates the height of his ability as a horror writer. Um, and not only that, it's his longest work too. And even then, it's not that long. So compared to any other novel you might pick up, compared to any other book you might get into, Lovecraft is really good in the fact that they are short stories. And At the Mountains of Madness, as long as it is, is still a very short read, comparatively. And I think the length really does it justice, though compared to some of his other stories i think some of his other stories some of them could have been longer but i mm -hmm. think most of them are about the right length they never get longer than they need to be because lovecraft he's not interested in telling um subplots he's not interested in having any kind of romantic relationships crop up he's not interested in doing some big epic grand story uh it like you would find in blockbusters what he's doing is he's taking a slice out of the lives of normal people mm -hmm. and showing them in their worst and not the worst for how they are but the worst in the worst that could possibly befall them you're getting that slice of life and slice of disaster there's mm -hmm. no room for subplots in that there's no room for a spontaneous romance to break out because of that think about your daily life think about some 
horrific thing that happened to you sometime in your life cut that out of your life as a whole and make that a story it's just going to be what it is Mm-hmm. And that's how most Lovecraft stories are. But this is probably as close as his stories come to an epic, um, mm-hmm. with one notable exception that I'm not going to talk about in this video here. But you're following a grand expedition in Antarctica, and the thing is, it's slow. It's Mm. very methodical how it's paced. But you are discovering the horror along with the, I wouldn't say the author, but along with the reteller of the story. You are discovering these just small little clues, these small little details, or even these big details of some things they're encountering. And your mind is trying to be scientific, just like the characters in the story and try to put together like, well, what does that mean? What mm-hmm. does that mean? And then the, as the story is going on, you have that, that uh, safety net as a reader, not experiencing it, to be able to step back and see like, oh, God, that's what's happening. But of mm-hmm. course, the characters you're following in the story don't know that just yet and then you are there as this unwitting companion being dragged along with them as you know it's going to get worse and worse and you're seeing sometimes literally the writing on the wall of what is waiting for them but you have no choice to follow them through until they find it on their own and it's just so wonderfully done it's creepy it's magnificent it's Mm. it has all the elements that i like about any other lovecraft story just exponentially put inside his biggest tale and his most exciting it's almost an action adventure it could be an indiana jones story if indiana jones was into cosmic horror but it's it's something else. It's it needs to be read. It needs to be experienced sometime. That's why it's number three on my list. I wouldn't say do this one first. Mm-hmm. I'd say all the examples you gave, Terrence, I, I really think are wonderful. Um, the first two I gave, dude, they're they're nice, simple stories to slip into. But I mm. think if you are going to dabble into Lovecraft, you deserve to treat yourself to at the mountains of madness as early as you can yeah i think um definitely that's like would have been on a list if i had gone to like say number four or five uh i think the the telling thing for me is as difficult as it is uh for people to adapt uh lovecraft into movies and that that at the mountains of madness has pretty much been adapted into a movie in terms of like for me coming from John Carpenter's The Thin was highly influenced by that it's not exactly the same story but it's pretty much got that same feeling and setting and everything and at the same point Guillermo del Toro's movie that he nearly got made as well um I hope he does it someday because yeah, I, I have faith in him. But I guess we could save that for our Lovecraft movie video. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like So for me, like the fact that these two – like there was uh, actual adaptation nearly made and the thin as well. Um, 
shows that this story has hit like a really uh, strong point with a lot of creative people out of there. A lot of directors and a lot of writers read it and are immediately taken with it. I know for me, like my my main takeaway from that was that uh, it was uh, a really good look at a lot of the underlying sort of mythos of the greater Lovecraft cosmic horror world in a way. Mm. Um, and, and it's also really nice, like in terms of the setting, like at some points, like you're reading there and you're seeing them on their travels in Antarctica and it's just like, you're as blown away as they surely are when they see the things that they see. Um, and definitely, I think I agree with you. It's like almost like for me, one of his high points in terms of his story writing, like uh, I know it, we joke all the time that he loves overusing adjectives, like yeah. his descriptions, but yeah, that comes, that comes into play very well like it's the perfect sort of match of his style of writing and story and setting and atmosphere and characters and it just all these things come together to form like a really cohesive uh plot and story that's really wonderful like um i i think like you mentioned like the fact that you're going along on this with them and you can see things that they might not realize just yet. That's what makes the story for me really great to read, that uh, you just know what's going to happen at some point, and yet you can still be surprised by it as well. Yeah, and it is surprising. And especially, I think the thing I like, I, I don't know if I can say the best about it. I think the description mm -hmm. is what I like the best about the story. But the thing I really like is that what they find in this story also isn't isn't exactly what you think they're going to find too even after reading halfway through it you're thinking oh my god it's because of this it's because of this but then there's even worse things left to be discovered and so it keeps surprising the more you read it yeah i mean i think there's a really awesome choice for number three like um i i think for myself like if i can sort of mention then some of the general things that I think actually are good about these choices is like, I feel everything we've sort of touched on is like a nice little mix of short stories um, or easily digestible stories, uh, which can be finished off with something big, like at the mountains of madness. Like I, I feel like you've got a lot of choice when it comes to reading Lovecraft. You can either, if you're somebody who just needs these low shots of horror you can uh read some of his short stories and just come away feeling like really satisfied but at the same point like if you want something like as we said meatier or something more substantial you you can easily grab one of his uh thicker works and just read through that and come away just as satisfied if not more so so definitely for me like this the stuff we've chosen today i feel like hits on all the, the points that make Lovecraft really good for me. You know, this sense of uncertainty and dread that's, like, underlying the horror. Like, a lot of the horror for me from these stories comes through this, like, you know, we as humanity cannot understand these things and we are incapable of understanding them, whether or not we want to understand them. So, uh, you know, as the saying goes, ignorance is bliss. And sometimes in terms of Lovecraft stories, like the characters would have been better off not knowing or finding out what they have found out. Um, but I do like the way there's this larger mythos as well under these stories, right? Like um, it, it really makes digging into 
the short story is worth it because it builds up this whole picture then that whether uh, whether or not like we can actually sort of get a whole image of that or a whole view, it still really makes readings a satisfying experience then. Yeah, and the more you read, you'll notice elements from one story, sometimes even characters from one story, creeping up mm. in another, either directly appearing or just mentioned in another mm. story. So it helps build the sense that everything is part of the same universe. And you'll recognize things, uh, just offhand things. The more you read it, it'll have mm -hmm. more meaning next time around. And I think that's one of the more exciting aspects of going back and rereading Lovecraft again and again. For sure. I, well, I, th I think that's a really good selection of books we've given there. Like, um, yeah, it's it definitely, you know, uh, the, the thing is, like, we're not just, like, stuck with these six stories in total. Like, anyone who's keen to carry on reading more Lovecraft... I mean, even people who've read Lovecraft, sometimes you tend to skip over some of these stories and just focus on the ones you like. So it's always great to sort of get some recommendations, you know. Um, I know for myself, like, I definitely want to dig out my little copy of the Necronomicon and give that a read tonight again and maybe revisit some stories I haven't read in a while. Yeah, and as we said, you can find most of these stories um, pretty much anywhere, even listed online. Mm -hmm. But I think one of are together, Terrence, one of our personal favorites, is uh, this collection here. Uh, this is most of his stories there, so I think if you give Lovecraft a try and mm. really get into his work and you want to have as complete a copy of his work as you can, I mean, you, it's really hard to, to um, go wrong if you get the Barnes & Noble collection sure. there. The complete fiction. Uh, we'll put a link to this uh, down below uh, to the HP Lovecraft Historical Society store uh, where you can buy it. Uh, and there's plenty of other, you could probably find it on Amazon and maybe Book Depository, many, many places. But I do want to say we are both members of the HP Lovecraft mm -hmm. Historical Society, both uh, lifetime members there. Just an amazing group and there's a lot of stuff I'm looking around the room here um, straight from there that's inspiring future videos that we'll be making um, but I also want to give a uh, thanks to them and a shout out uh, they allowed us to use um, some of their fonts for the title cards for this premiere episode so again um, Andrew Lehman, Sean Branny they're always super helpful guys uh, so while you can find this anywhere, we're going to link it to the store, the uh, HS because uh, really the work they do is spectacular. And if you are interested, uh, wait until you see some of the stuff we show in upcoming videos because it's going to blow you away what those people do over there. Awesome. I'm looking as forward to it as I'm sure many of the viewers are as well then. Yeah, and um, before we go, just one last thing. Like uh, Anyone, if you come across this video, as you can see, we're all just stuck in quarantine in our own way here, just chatting about stuff we like. Uh, so if, you're, if you have anything to add, just add a comment. Write something down below. Uh, it's not like we're, we're so busy that we're not going to get back to anyone <laughs> who has a comment here. So it would be nice to talk with fellow fans. That's really why we're doing this. We, yeah, exactly. 
love to see my, my, a nice, uh, sorry, a nice sense of community. So that's that's probably what uh, HPR shares for me is like the way there's a community fostered around it. So hopefully, um, we can grab a tiny bit of that as well and have just as good interaction with anyone who's interested. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. Don't be shy. Uh, forgive us for all the jitters and hiccups here on our debut video. This is not what we were intending, but <laughs> you got stuck somewhere, right, Terrence? Yeah, exactly. Um, hopefully soon I'll be back in my uh, apartment in uh, Shanghai, so then we'll be a bit, tiny bit more professional. But um, I, I think it went pretty well. Yeah, it, it was nice hearing your stories there. I mean, this is the first time I really got to hear your opinions on, on these things. Yeah. It, it's fun. You, you've given me... Um, Motivation to go back and reread Whisper in Darkness. Maybe that'll be later tonight then. Oh, no. Awesome. Well, I'm glad I could. Same for you. All right. I think we've run our course here. So I think it's time to uh, stop the recording. So uh, there's no fancy sign off here. But again, if you watch this far, if you watch uh -huh. any of it, thanks for watching. Uh, thanks for listening. Please just comment. Let's have a discussion going. Um, let's make community. We're all members of the Alumni Association, right? We all got our yeah. degrees from Miskatonics. <laughs> let's enjoy it, right? Yeah, for sure. So hopefully everyone enjoyed it and looking forward to the next one. All right. Take it easy. Thanks a lot. See you next yes. time. Yes. Bye.